in order to be a disciple, there's going to have to be some things that you lay down. In order to be a disciple, there's going to have to be some things that you lay down. In order to come to Jesus, there's going to have to be some things that you lay down. But in order to come after Jesus, there's going to have to be some things that you pick up. There's two things that I want to talk to you about this morning. Coming to Jesus initially and then coming after him continually. The first one involves I'm coming to him, I'm coming to Jesus, and I want relationship with him. But it can't stop there. There's got to be some things that you lay down. There's got to be some things that, that you let go of. But Jesus also says this, that there's got to be something that you pick up and that you walk with. This morning, we're actually going to continue our series from last, uh, over the last several weeks. I, I, I know I told you I wasn't going to do that, but the Spirit led and the elders and I talked and we um, decided to do one more week just focusing on discipleship, seeing that as a need in our church. And uh, together, we want to talk about what it looks like to make disciples and to be disciples, to make disciples and to be disciples. You know, when we uh, come together as a church, what happens oftentimes is by no, no one's fault necessarily, it's just over time there's been this kind of mission creep. And this mission creep, uh, this isn't a person that's creepy, but it's, it's creeping on mission, all right? Um, there's mission, there's this mission that we have that Jesus has given us, and what takes place is this, is that it begins to slip, and it begins to slip, and so from one generation to the next, it begins to slip, and it begins to slip, and on and on it goes. And so last week, we really laid out what we're here for, and what we're, what we're about, and what we're doing, and what this looks like, and what needs to happen in our church. We talked about how the love of Christ has got to be something that so overwhelms us and so overtakes us that, there, that there's something that happens in us that causes us to desire Christ to not just be somebody who's a part of our life or an aspect of our life, but Jesus wants to dwell in us. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to be a part of your life. He doesn't just want to be an aspect of your life. He wants to be a part of your life. And in fact, what we're going to see in Luke 14 is that there are some stipulations. Like if this isn't happening, then you can't be my disciple. If this isn't taking place, then you can't be my disciple. And so what we looked at was Ephesians 4, where it talks about this last week, where it talks about how uh, it was Jesus who gave gifts to men to be apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers for this purpose, to prepare God's people for works of service. We've seen that throughout the book of Ephesians, and we see that throughout the scriptures, that, that God has saved us by grace this is not of our own doing, but it's for a purpose because we are his workmanship and we've been created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of serving him, for the purpose of serving him. And then Jesus comes and he, and he gives gifts to men and he specifically gifts these people, these leaders within the church, but it's for this purpose. It's not so that they're the only ones who know how to disciple it's not so that they're the only ones who are doing the work of ministry. It's so that they are the people who are leading God's people 
towards greater and greater involvement in his purpose for his church. His purpose for his, his church. And so what is the purpose of his church? What, it, what, it, what are we really here for? What did you come for this morning? Did you come for a good experience? And I hope you have one in every respect. I hope that our children's ministry is working well. If you have kids, I'm, I'm hoping that you experience Jesus here and that you're able to worship both through the sermon and through the music and through the Lord's table. But what, what did you come for? Did you come for any of those things? And those aren't necessarily bad things, but are they the thing? What is the thing that Jesus has called you to? What is the thing that Jesus has called us to as God's church? What's he called us to? And are we in danger of losing that? And I would say this, we are all the time. We're always in a place of like forgetting what Jesus has really called us to do and so we're, we're, we're getting more and more involved in lots of other things. So I want to take you to a couple of different passages. We're going to cover a fair amount of scripture today. But in Matthew 28, uh, beginning in verse 18, it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now I want to stop right there and just say this, that that's not a, a statement to be taken lightly. It's a statement of authority. It's a statement of saying this, like, I am the one who is here to lead you. Jesus is in charge of this church. Jesus is in charge of all churches. This is his church. This is who he is. And what he's going to say to his believers matters. And it's his authority, and he's saying this to his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so what takes place next is like it doesn't matter what he says next. He could say whatever he wants, but what he wants to say to us is very, very, very important. And what needs to happen in our lives is what he's going to say right now. He says this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so the point is this. It isn't for the specialized few to make disciples. Jesus is speaking to all disciples for all time and saying this. You must make disciples. You've got to be a disciple-making disciple. You've got to be somebody who is in it and consistently making disciples. And so what can we say for ourselves? Are we people, if you're a Christian and you're here today, I'm going to talk to those of you who don't know Jesus here in a few minutes, but if you're a Christian and you're here today, are you somebody who's making disciples? Is this something that God has laid on your heart and if, it, and if it isn't something that you're feeling propelled towards out of a deep love and a sense of belonging to Jesus and this desire to, uh, to be compelled by the love of Christ, then what's going on in your life? Because this is what it means to be a Christian. It's ultimately to be a disciple who's making disciples. Now, Here's the thing, many of us could sit here and we could say, you know, I, I feel a sense of guilt because maybe I haven't participated in what God wants. But that's not, that's not the way to living a productive life for Jesus Christ. The way to living a productive 
life for Jesus Christ is in and through the love of Christ. Knowing the love of Christ, sensing the love of Christ, says in 2 Corinthians, for the love of Christ controls us. And what it means is this, is that it's, it's coming in on us from all sides and it's driving us and it's, it's causing me to, to, to desire him and to want to live for him and to be there with him and to love his people and to be around his people and to bring more people to know him. This is what it means to be a disciple who's making disciples. But too often that doesn't happen because our mission has begun to creep away from that and it has crept into the recesses of our lives where we say, this is when I have time for Jesus. And this is when I have time for his things. And this is when I, this is, this is when I can, you know, block out this area of my life and so that, then that can take place. But Jesus says this, like in order to come to me, in order to just begin a relationship with me, there's got to be some things that you're willing to let, down, let go of. Now you might say this, you might say, I mean, there's things that I'm willing to let go of, but, but I just haven't let go of me. That's good, that's good. Because there's a new desire in your life that says this, I want Jesus to have the ascendancy in my life. I want Jesus to be the thing. I want him to be the one that I'm looking to, I want him to be the thing that I'm desiring and that I want and I'm, and I'm striving for. There's got to be some things that I let go of and I'm willing to let go of them, but here's the thing, I just haven't let go of everything yet. And that's what Jesus wants for us. There's got to be some things that we lay down, but there's going to be some things that we have to pick up as well in order to make disciples. Now, here's the thing. One of the words that we really miss in here is this is Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe. Teaching them to observe. This means that the fundamental role of a disciple-making discipler is this, is that they are a teacher. They might say, I'm not very good at teaching. Or I don't feel called to that. But here's the thing, that the fundamental role of somebody who is a, who is a disciple is somebody who says, I am willing to teach. And you might say, well, I'm not very good at teaching. I just want you to know, uh, you know from personal experience, I'm not very good at teaching sometimes. I, I don't have it all together. Do you know when I really learn something? When I'm teaching it. When I'm teaching it. Do you know how hard it is to actually learn when you're not learning for the purpose of having to communicate it to someone else? This is the whole idea of our education system is that you've got to be able to learn this so that you can communicate it, however well it works or however well it doesn't work. But the point is this, is that you have to be able to communicate this. And what a better way to be able to communicate it in a way that is teaching. But often what takes place is what we see in Hebrews chapter 5, where it says, where it says this. I thought I marked this. Hebrews, chap Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The writer of Hebrews says this, is that is that this, is that 
when you're immature, what's taking place is this, is that you're still on milk. You're not on solid food. You're not on meat. And meat is this, is that by now, just went through puberty shortly there, uh, uh, I get distracted easily. I don't know if you've uh, been able to notice that or not. By now, uh, you should be teachers. You should be teachers. Like there, there, there's something that should be taking place in the life of a believer that says this, I should be able to communicate the things of God. But many of us, in fact, I myself said this, I'm not ready to do that. Let me tell you this. If you ever get to a point where you say, I'm ready to do this, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, and I'm in trouble. If I come to you on a Sunday morning, and I begin to try to preach in my own power, and uh, under my own will, and out of my own desire, you know what takes place is that it falls flat on its face. Because here's the thing, is that I need Jesus to be able to communicate the word of God. I need him. I need him to help me even while I'm reading the scriptures. Before I'm ready to communicate, I need Jesus to speak to me. I need him to be the one who's going to communicate the truth of scripture so that I can communicate it. But there's no better way than to learn from teaching. And so here's the thing. Have you ever or are you currently or have you thought about or have you considered communicating the word of God to someone else? Because here's the thing, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And Jesus says this, that if you're my disciple, like if you're going to be a disciple of mine, then what's got to take place is this, is that you've got to be somebody who's baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe, which means this, teaching obedience. But you know what's funny about that? Is that there's an obedience that comes before that, and that's your obedience. It's the, the obedience of faith. It's, it's saying this, I'm obeying Jesus and, and leading people closer to Jesus. It's the obedience that comes. Your obedience flows into their obedience. The mark of a disciple is essentially obedience. Now, obedience doesn't get you into being a disciple. Obedience is merely the proof of what's actually taking place in your life is that there's continual obedience and continual obedience and continual obedience. That as you begin to take steps of faith, what happens is this, is that there becomes a renewed sense and a renewed sense and a renewed sense that you are Christ's and Christ is yours. There's, there's something that's taking place in your life as you're being drawn towards Jesus and as you're being faithful to him that that, that causes you to have this deep and personal relationship with Jesus Christ because of this. It's not what, what God wants from you. It's not what God wants from you because that's all about duty. It's all about like, I have to do this. This, this is begrudgingly done. I'm, I'm obeying God because he just wants me to. It's not what God wants from you, but it's what God wants for you. God isn't just looking for blind obedience. God wants for you deep and abiding relationship with him that's flowing out of this observance of what he's commanded and saying, I love 
my God, I love my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I want to live my life as worship, as glorifying him, as living for him. And so God has given each and every one of us the responsibility to be those who are leading others through teaching them. And my hope is this, is that as a church, we're going to continue to kind of beat this drum in a way that says this, we want to drive all disciples to be making disciples. We want to dr drive all disciples to, making, to make disciples because of the deep, deep love of Jesus and what he's done for us. Not out of guilt, not just because of the authority of Jesus, but especially because of it, driven by his great love for us. And so, I want to take you to Luke chapter 14 and get into some things. The first part here has been about making disciples. And now I want to talk about being a disciple. It says this in Luke chapter 14, Jesus begins to tell a parable in verse 16. And he says, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please excuse me. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. And I, go to examine, and, and, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Notice all three of these are about money. So the servant came. That was a joke. Uh, the wife is just about money, all right? You guys are a little bit tired. This 10 a.m. service is not working for you. All right, my wife is not all about money. She's, oh, I'm getting the eye right now. Wow. Should not have looked up. That, that's going to be distracting. That's distracting. Yeah, yeah. I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, and blind, and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now, I, I tell you that part of the story here to set up what we're about to say and essentially to say this, that Jesus calls and the call to be a disciple comes to us. The call to come into his banquet and to be a part of him comes to us. And what takes place often is this, is that we say, you know what, I, I just got involved in this and as soon as that's done, then, you know, then I might come. Or I don't know how many of you have bought some oxen. I haven't lately, but it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I don't know what you've bought recently. It's interesting that it has to do with money. It's a distraction. It's a distraction. I have things that I need to take care of, and I need to go do that. But Jesus is saying, come to my banquet. But the people who have, the people who have means are somehow distracted, and they just... They say, you know what, would you please excuse me because I have better things to do. And Jesus says, bring in the others, bring in the others, bring in the others. Now lest you think that this is all about 
Jesus getting his numbers or meeting his quota. You need to understand this, what he's going to say now. He's going to say this, verse uh, 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them. Now stop there for a second. There's lots of people who come to Jesus. There's lots of people who are coming around him, and there's lots of people who are following him. And you've got to understand that just, that just kind of looking at him from a distance and desiring to see another miracle or just, just coming to him and, and thinking, you know, life stinks right now. Life is difficult right now, and so I need something else. I need this Jesus for this moment. Jesus is saying this, like, there, the, you, you may be in the crowd, but there's, there's a further delineation which says this, like, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean? And so Jesus, in negative terms, is going to tell us this. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, the word hate there, we would say this. It means to love less. Is Jesus really saying you need to hate your wife, your brother, whatever? No, because he says love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's, it's an oversimplification of essentially saying this, that the thing on the throne of your heart, the thing that you desire the most, the relationship that you de desire the most, when you come to Jesus, if you're going to come to him, if you're going to come to him and you're going to enter into relationship, what's got to happen is this, is that there, there's a sense in which you're laying down. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and sister and brothers, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus says there, there's something about the relationships that we have there's something about our own self that has to be dethroned. There has to be something in our life that, that, that is being laid down. And it's not just anything, but it's everything. And for these people to be identified with Jesus was to immediately be persecuted or to be ostracized. To, to follow Jesus in their day takes incredible amounts of fortitude. To say this, I am going to follow him. I'm coming to him. And I'm going to lay down all of these other relationships. I am going to love less. I'm going to love less those. Now, this does not mean that, okay, you're holding me back, wife or husband, from uh, knowing Jesus. And so I'm, I'm, I'm laying down this relationship. That's not what this means. What this means is this, is that when I'm loving Jesus fully, that means I love even an uncomfortable marriage partner. I'm, I'm still loving my wife even though things are difficult. You may be in the middle of a relationship where you're just saying, I can't deal with this. I've had enough. They're driving me crazy. Life is coming apart. 
And what this means is this, is, is, is to say this, I am going to let down even my own self. I'm going to lay that down and I'm going to say this, that I want Jesus more than I want my personal comfort in my relationship. I'm going to love that relationship left, uh, less. I'm going to love my desire for that relationship less than I love Jesus. Then I am going to love Jesus fully and completely if I'm going to come to him but oftentimes, this is what takes place, is that you come to faith in Jesus Christ, and you indicate, yeah, I want to I know Jesus. I want to have relationship with him. I want to I I be with him in this. But what happens is this, is that there's nothing that's been laid down, and that, the, that it's, it's not really true belief. Because here's the thing, is that I see many people who indicate, yes, I want to follow Jesus, but what happens a year from now? What happens six months from now, a month from now, a week from now, after that decision is made, that's really what determines if you actually made a decision on this day. If you actually said, okay, I'm, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ, because Jesus says this, in order to come to me, you're going to have to lay something down. In order to come to me, you're going to have to lay something down. But then secondly, he says this, verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever comes after me, I want you to notice two things here. The first one says this, if anyone comes to me, verse 27 says this, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me. One of them is initially saying, I want Jesus. But then the second one is this. I want to follow Jesus. Because the Christian faith is not just this. Being a disciple is not just saying, I like Jesus. It's not just saying, God is cool. Jesus is my homeboy. I'm religious. I'm... It's, it's not just that. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is, yes, coming to him, laying down my stuff. But guess what? It's going to require that you pick up a cross. Recently, one of the pastors at our retreat this last summer said this. There's no one following Jesus who hasn't laid some things down. There's no one following Jesus who hasn't had to take up a cross at some point. Do you understand this? That coming to Jesus is going to require, there's, there's some loosing of bonds, but then coming after Jesus, it, it's going to be a cross to bear. And some of us have been sold this bill of goods that says this, that coming to Jesus should be easy. That when I come to Jesus, that things just get better. And when I come to Jesus, life is going to be so much more easily navigated. But here's the thing, is that when you come to Jesus, you're going to have to lay something down. But then you're going to have to pick something up. And so what it may look like for you is that you've got to lay down a relationship that you shouldn't be in. And then you've got to bear the cross moving forward saying, my cross is this, is that I have a hole in my heart where I really desire to have relationship. 
Laying, laying it down can look like this. It's, it's saying, I'm going to lay down these business practices that I've had. I'm going to lay down my anger. I'm going to lay down the things that are of my former life. But picking up the cross is this, is that when it's taking place on a regular basis where there's a desire to have poor business practices, to cheat someone else, to add more to your time card, to get involved in that relationship. It's bearing the cross and saying this, I am not just coming to Jesus. I'm not just somebody in the crowd. I'm not just coming to him, but I am after him. I'm coming after him. And I'm pursuing him. And here's the question. Have you come to him, but are you coming after him? Because the mark of a disciple is this, is it's not just somebody who's come to him and acknowledged him. It's somebody who's come to him, laid it down, but then they're coming after him and they're picking it up. And they're picking up the cross and they're saying, Jesus bore his cross for me and so I can bear my cross for him. Not because it gets me in the door, but because he got me in the door. Not because this is what's saving me, but because he did save me. This is the mark of true disciples, of people who know him and love him and desire to have relationship with him. This is the mark of what it looks like to be a true disciple. He goes on to say this. For which of you, verse 28, desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. There's a lot of monuments in our world. In their day, there were towers that were perhaps guarding a city or guarding a vineyard or something like that. Jesus is relating it this way. He's saying this, is that it, it's like somebody who began to build something. And you've got grand dreams of an incredible structure, and it may be a house, or you've begun to build it and build it and build it, but then something didn't take place. You did not consider the cost of what it was going to cost to establish this thing. I remember some time ago when I was um, in uh, construction on a regular basis, I was uh, building a house. I was the superintendent on a project. And what had happened was this, is that we were building on a very steep hill. And on uh, a steep hill, it's very hard to get a good footing into the ground because the ground is loose. But what added to this was that there was compacted fill there. And you can't build on fill, which is not native soil. It's soil that was brought in. And so we had to dig down and dig down and dig down. And so before too long, we're, we're, we're digging and we're digging and we're digging. And we are adding more concrete and adding more concrete and more steel. And we're adding all of this stuff till by the end of it, I don't know how much the foundation cost, but it was so much money. It was beyond what you could believe. It was so massive, hundreds of yards of concrete that went into this project. And in the end, what took place is that the homeowner ended up losing his house because it ended up costing so much money. Do you know that us in our spiritual lives, when we come to Jesus, what happens oftentimes is this, is that we come to Jesus and we say, I want to build this house. 
I want to make this happen. I want to do this. And what's happening is that we're trying to build this huge foundation, but we've never considered the cost. We've never counted the cost of what it actually looks like, the time that it's going to take out of my personal life, and the fact that I'm not going to be able to go see that piece of property that I wanted or to enjoy my oxes. That's the plural of uh, oxen. Oxen, there we go. Okay, English majors are upset right now. Um, oxen. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do whatever I'm going to do there. And, and so I'm, I'm just in this place where I haven't considered that there's something that I'm going to have to lay down. There's something I'm going to have to pick up. And Jesus says it's like somebody who got into a building project. And what happens is this, is that that unfinished structure stands as a monument of mockery in your life, in the life of the church, because it was never finished. It's a half-finished structure with a foundation that's weak because it just was never considered that it's going to cost me something. And ultimately what Jesus is going to say is it's going to cost me everything. Jesus doesn't want to be second on your list. He will not be. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And he determines this, that you and I should be disciples who are being taught to observe everything that he's commanded. Now, we may be doing it with a limp. We, we, may, we may not be fully getting it done. But here's the thing. Jesus is gracious. He's gracious. And he says, I love you no matter what. What doesn't fly here, though, is somebody who just says, you know what? I just don't have time, and I'm not coming to the banquet. I'm not coming to serve my Lord in my everyday life. I'm not coming. Jesus says this. You can't be my disciple. That's not what this is about. And then he says in verse 29, otherwise, when he's laid a foundation... And not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man de- began to build and was not able to finish. And how many of us have been in that situation? When I was a, uh, a young man, some of you are looking at me and saying, you look pretty young still. Thank you. Um, I caught up in me there for a second. Uh, sit. Uh, yeah, when I was a young man, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, when I was a young man, I remember going through these spurts of spiritual fervor, where I, I, would, I, would, I would just be all out, and I'd tell everybody about him, and what would take place is this, is that in the end, it would come to an unfinished monument to Jesus, and I'd come to the end of myself in little ways in my life, where I would, I would just say, Ah, oh, I just, I wasn't ready for this. When my family fell apart, my mom and dad's relationship ended, I wasn't ready for it. And I said, God, I'm, I'm out. When my relationship of five years with my then girlfriend broke off, I came to a place where I said, God, I'm out. And here's the reason. It's because I, when I came to Jesus, I did not consider the structure that needed to be built. I was not informed, and I thought, as long as I'm following Jesus, then she'll like me. 
And as long as I'm coming after Jesus, then family will stay together and, and life will be good and peachy. But Jesus says this, in order to come to me, you're going to have to lay some things down. But in order to come after me, you're going to have to pick some things up. Otherwise, you're going to end up with an unfinished structure that is a mockery. Verse 31, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. It's the foolishness of going into battle, not considering, can I win this fight? I did that, I did that one time. I, for some reason, decided I wanted to fight my friend from school. I, I, wanted, I wanted to be cool. I wanted to get into a fight. Uh, this, is, this is the depravity of your pastor, right? Um, and so I, I'm at a football game, and, I, you know, let's, let's do this. And... Uh, I did not consider the fact that he was much larger than me and uh, got into this fight. And luckily he got, he was very gracious because I kind of got in the middle of it. It's like, you know what, I, you know, I'm, 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 we, we don't need to do this. It's going into a fight and it's saying, okay, yeah, 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 who, who cares about the, these details and that? It's going into a war and not considering, all right, they have 20,000, I have 10,000. Jesus says this, your Christian life has got to look like that. Like if you're going to be my disciple, what has to happen is you've got to consider what is the cost going to be? What's it going to cost me? Is it, is it going to cost the entire army? Or do I need to seek terms of peace? And the answer in this setting is to seek terms of peace with Jesus. And to surrender yourself to him. He says in verse 33, so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. It's going to cost you something and it's going to cost you everything because when you come to Jesus, you're going to have to lay something down. But in order to come after Jesus, you're going to have to pick some things up. Now let me just ask you this. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? Or are you a weekend Christian? Are you somebody who plays with the idea of being spiritual and yet you've never considered what's going to have to be laid down and what's going to have to be picked up? Are you a disciple? There's no one who is a disciple who has not laid something down. There's no one who's a disciple who's not had to pick something up. That's what it looks like. And then secondly, are you making disciples? Teaching them to observe through obedience because the obedience of being a disciple is making disciples. And I just want you to consider this. Are you obedient and making disciples? Are you making excuses right now and just saying, I just don't have time? I, I just don't know how. Are, are, are you in the middle of all kinds of things in your life where you've made things so chaotic 
you've prioritized so many other things in your life that really serving Jesus Christ and his church is so far out of your mind because you've made your life so chaotic. Is is your life so out of control because you've brought on so many things in your life and you're involved in so many activities and you're involved in so many things that are causing so much stress in your life that it comes to a place where it's just like, I just don't have time for Jesus. And ultimately what you're saying is this, I'm not coming into the banquet because I just have better things to do. Because being a disciple requires that we make disciples. And the disciple is obedient to the authority of Jesus. Will you be obedient to that? Let me pray for us. Lord God, we pray this morning for your church. Lord, for every single one of us, including myself. Lord, as as I've grown in my walk and as I've progressed, I know that I see many, many areas where I need obedience to you, greater obedience and greater obedience and greater obedience. And so, Lord, I'm not, I'm not alone here in this. There's others of us in this room who would say the same thing. That, Lord, you, you call and you require obedience of your disciples. And so, Lord, whether we've begun a relationship with you or whether we haven't, the way to relationship is putting faith in you And it's the faith that you provide. It's you wooing us. It's you drawing us into relationship with you. And it's drawing us to be with you. Because this is not what you want from us. It's what you want for us. You want for us to be connected with you deeply. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that that would be true of us. God, I'm praying for our city that God, your church here would have so much impact in this world. And Lord, your church here would have, would have such far-reaching arms into our city. Not selling some kind of religion and not forcing something on people, but being driven by your love that compels us, that controls us, that's drawing us to live for you in obedience. And God, I want to pray that for your people this morning. That this morning isn't just a hard-hitting message or just something that makes people feel bad or something like that. Lord, we don't want that at all. But God, we want this. We just want to know that you love us. And Lord, we want to act and we want to respond out of that. Lord God, make us disciples. For it is you who works in us both to will and to act according to your good purpose. So Lord, we ask that of you this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.